0: You may be seated. God, Caleb and Joshua, they said children do With all the many miracles And when we were about to die Manna rained from the sky And water came from a dry old dusty rock When Pharaoh was closing in God closed the sea again But not before we all had safely crossed Now here you are, my friend You face a battle you cannot win And you tell yourself There's just no need to try Consider how good God's been He's been faithful time and again must believe. And here's the reason why. With all the many miracles, why don't you think it's possible? With all the many things you've seen, why do you think it's just a dream? With all the things he's done for us, don't you think it's time we what is possible with all the many miracles with all the things he's done for us don't you think it's time we trust remember what is possible with all the many
1: All right, good job on that special. I appreciate that, Chris and Tammy. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word this morning, if you would uh, take that copy and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number four, Luke chapter number four, the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter number four, and in this passage of scripture, Jesus is in the middle of his ministry, uh, his earthly ministry, and uh, he has, at this point, uh, returned back to, you could call it his homeland, there in Nazareth, where he had grown and grown up, and as was Jesus' custom, when he entered into a a new city, or back into a city, where would he go? He would go into the synagogue, and so we find uh, here in verse number 14, the Bible tells us that... Jesus had returned to Nazareth and, as was his custom, went to the synagogue there. And while he was in church, while he was, well, it wasn't church, you understand, it was in the synagogue, uh, they brought to Jesus one of the books. And Jesus selected the book of Isaiah. And he read a passage of scripture out of the book of Isaiah that, of course, was referencing uh, him. And then he closed the book and then went and sat down. The Bible says, as Jesus uh, closed the book there, all the eyes, everyone in the crowd, they watched him. They just had their eyes right on Jesus, and they were amazed at, really, the words. They, The Bible says they wondered at the gracious words, and so you have uh, here the word, Jesus reading the word, and what an amazing thing. I'm going to read uh, out of the word of God this morning. I promise you, you're not going to be as amazed. But you see, uh, Jesus, they were astonished because they were saying, isn't this the little boy that grew up here? Isn't this Jesus of Nazareth, you know, the son of Joseph? And uh, everyone there in that synagogue, and you have to understand this, this included all the religious Jews. They were just fascinated at what they had just seen well in jesus's response to them uh he he says many things um and i want to read one verse here in luke chapter number four and verse number 27 in fact the song that was just sung talked about the miracles of our god and the bible says this in fact jesus says in luke chapter number four and verse number 27 And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. Let's have a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We're so thankful to be in your house today. And we're thankful that we can open up your word. And it still has the same power that it had 2,000 years ago when Jesus read out of it and i pray that you would speak to us here this morning that we would truly meet with you and i do ask for your holy spirit to be working and if there's someone here that doesn't is unsure of their spiritual condition before you i pray that you would speak to them and i pray that you'd have your will this morning in jesus name amen all right well the Jesus made reference to one of the Old Testament prophets, Elisha. Um, one of the major prophets. We actually know quite a bit about Elisha. God used uh, the prophet Elisha to perform very uh, a lot of miracles. In fact, uh, the Bible says Elisha performed uh, twice the number of miracles that his ma- uh, mentor Elijah performed. And uh, here, uh, I want to take you... We We just read uh, one verse there. It talks about the healing of a man named Naaman. And so uh, take your, uh, you can lose your spot there in the book of Luke. Turn back to 2 Kings now. 2 Kings, and I want to read more uh, about this story here. Uh, 2 Kings chapter number 5. This is where our text is going to be here this morning. 2 Kings chapter number 5. And here in this chapter, we read about one of these miracles that God performed at the hand of, by the hand of Elisha. And we're going to pick up in verse number one. So if you're there, follow along as I read. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter number five, beginning in verse number one, it says, Now Naaman, the captain of the hosts of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, be with the prophet That is, er, that that my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria for he would recover him of his leprosy and one went in and told his lord saying thus and thus said the maid that is in the land uh, that that is of the land of Israel and the king of Syria said go to go and i will send a letter unto the king of Israel and he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver And 6,000 pieces of gold and 10 changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, "Am Am I God? to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy wherefore consider I pray you and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me and so you have to understand the king here in Israel um, the, the, the Syrians uh, the nation of Syria up north they had been a thorn in the side of Israel for uh, since really the days of King Solomon and so you have jehoram who is the king of israel fearing that maybe this letter is a pretext for a war and there had been battles really i mean there were raids if you read the the history if you go back into the book of first kings you will see that the syrians were there were these on and off raids and incursions and uh just they're going into each other's territory and so rightly so the kings thinking okay This is going to be uh, a reason, if I don't heal the Syrian, the captain of the host, this man named Naaman, if I don't heal him, uh, then Syria is going to invade again. It's going to give them reason or cause to come and invade. And so that's where we're at in verse number 7. Well, let's pick up once again, now in verse number 8, 2 Kings chapter 5. Verse number eight, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand, and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus? Better than all the waters of Israel, may I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and uh, and went away in rage. Verse thirteen. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said, saith unto thee, wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times into Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean so here this morning i want to i want to preach on the the this story the the healing of naaman the healing of naaman another great illustration of salvation first thing i want to see there's five points the first point that i want to bring out is the condition the condition and um brother ken if you could just give me control i can move the slides the condition and i want to talk in verse number one we see the condition of naaman naaman here now naaman the bible says he was a man of position he was a captain of the hosts, a high rank high ranking military official there in syria a man uh, with great prestige he was um a great man with his master he had inroads with the king of syria and someone certainly the king of syria uh praised he praised him in uh there in syria naaman was very well known a very honorable man the bible says why is that well there was a lot of things good things that he had done there he had brought the bible says he wrought deliverance unto syria meaning when he led the soldiers into battle, they won. I'm kind of reminded of King David, or before he was king. Little David. Remember when David killed Goliath? He came back in, uh, back in town, and they were singing his praises. They, he was so popular. The fame of David was throughout the land. That's kind of how Naaman was up in Syria. You mentioned the name of Naaman. And everyone knew who he was. And they had positive thoughts. Uh, he he um, had given deliverance unto Syria. And he was a mighty man of valor, the Bible says. He had power. Okay? So his Naaman's charisma here. Here is a man with stature. But look at verse number 1, the very end. It says, he was a mighty man of valor, but... There was a problem. There was a problem. uh, That but. Name, and I want to, boy, this little clicker thing is not working real well today. I'm sorry. I've got a lot of slides, and so um, here we go. If you could just move us forward. But he had a curse. What was that curse? Well, it was this leprosy. Leprosy. Um, And so we see it says but the bible says he was a leper so a man a a well-known man had everything really uh the world could offer power prestige well known but he had a problem and this was a man that was a leper now the thing with leprosy and really this is a condition with really any illness if you think about it maybe think about cancer or he really is not a respecter of persons, right? You read about, I mean, almost weekly of maybe some celebrity um, coming down with, a, with an illness, right? And then we, we come together uh, in church and we put on the prayer list a, a loved one that maybe has an illness or cancer. You know, illness, uh, leprosy back then was not a respecter of persons. Anybody could get it. Um, you know it also leprosy certainly it caused a separation the book of Leviticus you don't need to turn there but in Leviticus chapter 13 uh, it talks about verse uh, 44 down uh, through verse 46 it talks about a a person who contracts this illness this leprosy Uh, it says that they're going to be called unclean the priest is going to basically pronounce them as unclean. And anywhere that they went, they had to shave their heads so that they could be identified. And if they entered into an area with other people, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean. And the Bible says in verse 46 of Le- Leviticus 13, it says, all the days wherein the plague shall be on him, he shall be undefiled. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone without the camp shall be his habitation be or shall his habitation be and so leprosy affected really it could anyone back anyone back then could contract it contract this disease they had to be separated from their families from really society they lived on their own it uh, created um because it affected the nerves in the 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 body it affected the skin it affected the eyes it deformed the victim the and we see that um it also was really it's a slow growing bacteria and that would take oftentimes years uh to for a person to really know that they had it their extremities would um, uh, many would lose extremities and and the reason for that is because it would deaden the skin it would deaden it so that it was they were more susceptible to really hurting themselves if you think about it, you can't feel pain Uh, there are conditions today where people their nerves are deadened they can't feel pain well you know if they can't feel pain and they're jabbing of a knife in their arm you know, that's going to affect. And and so this was a terrible disease. And it was a disease that carried a death sentence. It was just a matter of time. Oh, it may not have happened the next week or even the next year. It may have taken 20 years. But the person was going to die of leprosy. The only hope that a person had was really for a miracle, a divine cure. Naaman was a man of position and power. That was his condition. Yet he had a terrible condition causing a serious problem in his life. Now, in the word of God, leprosy is a picture of sin. You know, the one thing about sin is it's not a respecter of persons. The Bible says, as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. Sin is the same way. It's not a respecter. It's not like we catch uh, the disease of sin. We're actually born with it, and we're all sinners. And the Bible says there's none righteous. Not one of us has not been affected by sin. You know, and uh, sin, it causes separation, does it not? Now, this separation is a separation from a holy God, a holy, sinless God. Leprosy does that. That is the condition that each one of us uh, are in. Sin uh, deforms the victim. And you say, well, okay, how's that? Well, look at what the Bible has to say in the book of Isaiah 64, verse number 6. It says, and remember what what I said about the person who had contracted leprosy they were considered the pre the priest said you're unclean well the bible says this but we are all as unclean things and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags we do all fade as the as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away it deforms us we have been deformed by sin it deadens the victim's extremities and you know the bible talks about those that are dead in their sins they have contracted the disease the awful disease of sin and that's all of us the bible says in ephesians chapter number four and verse number 18 having the understanding darkened and uh leprosy would affect the eyesight their understanding Darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And so sin deforms us. It deadens us. And you know what? Sin also carries that same death sentence. Much like leprosy. Much like the condition that Naaman had. He was a dead man walking. It was a matter of time. Well, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages or the the earnings for sin. And remember, we're all sinners. The wage that we receive for sin is death. It's death. And the only hope that you and I have. We've contracted the disease of sin. The only hope we have is a divine cure. And that's what we see. Um, Jesus, uh, I'll give you, read this verse in Matthew chapter number 8. This was during Jesus' ministry. Jesus came across lepers. And the Bible says, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And so Naaman's condition, he he had contracted the disease of leprosy. It didn't matter the fact that Naaman was well known, he still contracted it. It caused a separation it was deforming him. It was, it was sentencing him to death. Naaman's only hope was a divine cure, much like our condition with sin. Sin is not a respecter of persons. We are all sinners, and much like leprosy. Leprosy is a picture of sin. And so the first thing I wanted to bring out is in this story is, number one, the condition. Naaman's condition. It was a dire condition. Uh, It was a serious problem in his life. But next in our story, I want you to see the confusion. And look in verse number 5. It says, The king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. Notice the confusion. You know, Naaman's actions really are no different than what most people have when they realize their need of, uh, of a savior, of salvation. They realize, you know what, I am. I've been missing something in my life. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need to do something to inherit eternal life. And you know, Naaman was confused here. So was the the king of of Syria. They thought that um, they needed to. Uh, well, let, let's look in look in verse number five. Number one, they brought the wrong price. Verse number five, they thought that um, you know, silver and gold; those are things that have value in this world. And they thought, they thought, well, you know, let's. Let's bring some uh, some things of value. Maybe we can purchase uh, a cure for you. Naaman needed to be cured. He had a terrible, serious problem in his life, and he and uh, the king of Syria and Naaman, I'm sure, they thought, well, you know, if we bring some gifts, maybe we can be healed. They brought the wrong price. You know, a lot of a lot of people, um, they. Uh, they think that salvation can be purchased with something of this world. Well, you know, as it relates to the price of salvation, the Bible tells us that in First Peter chapter 1, in verse number 18, this is relating to the price. What price? There was a price paid for our salvation. But I guarantee you it was not ten raiments of clothing. It wasn't gold or silver was something much more valuable the bible says in first peter chapter 1 and verse 18 for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed or purchased with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers but what were we purchased with what was our salvation purchased with the precious blood of jesus christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. But do you see the confusion that Naaman had? Here he is, a man with a serious illness, a serious problem. And the first thing, he's confused. He thinks, I need to bring uh, something to per- to pay for my healing. But then we also see he went to the wrong person. In verse number six, where does the Bible say that They went. The king and Naaman thought that the king of Israel had the ability or maybe the sway (laughs) to heal Naaman. They went to the wrong person. Oh, how wrong they were. You know, the king of Israel, uh, you know, the nation of Israel, even Elisha didn't have the power to heal. There's only one. That's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said in John chapter 14, in verse number 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, access to God. Access to God. People, uh, people know. They're confused. How do, I, how do I get access to God? Is it, is it through a church church? Is it through a priest? No, it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in, or the Bible says in Acts chapter 14 and verse, or chapter 4, verse number 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we may be saved. And so access to God, it's through one person. It's Jesus. So there was confusion. Naaman was confused. Not only did he think he had to bring something of value, earthly value, the Bible says all of that is is worthless. Uh, God says that. He thought he needed to go to the king of Israel. But that was wrong. But we also see he came to the wrong place. The Bible says in verse number 9 that Naaman... Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Stood at the door. He came to the wrong place. You know, I'm reminded of the phrase, so close yet so far away. There are some people that they're so close <laughs> to, uh, maybe it's a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge, a heart acceptance You know, they they may come to uh, a church much like our service here this morning. And they may hear the gospel message so close, yet coming to church and hearing the message is not enough for salvation. It must be personally accepted. And you see that Naaman came to the door. Now he's on the doorstep, right? The doorstep of the preacher, back then. Elisha. And, uh, you know, there's a, there, Jesus uh, talked about this uh, as he was in Mark chapter 12 and verse 34. You know, there were many religious people they were They were so close, but yet so far away. It says in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 34, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly. Uh, so we know uh You know, here he, who he's talking with, someone very carefully, one of those scribes, those lawyers, those Pharisees, they, very discreet in their answers. So Jesus saw that and he said, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. May I say today, not one of us want to be not far from the kingdom of God. You're either on your way to heaven or you're not you're on your way to hell you can't be sort of saved or quasi saved you either are saved or you are not saved and here we are naaman is in this really state of confusion he's not far he's close and but yet he is not there now we can continue reading well and uh, you we know uh, paul uh, there was uh, King Agrippa, a very familiar passage of Scripture in the New Testament, as Paul was standing before the king. And uh, you read chapter 26. It's a wonderful sermon. Paul is going through the history of Israel, with, uh, or uh, going, through, going through everything, giving his testimony of everything he has uh, seen. And uh, it was very, very persuasive. But yet King Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now we don't know if King Agrippa ever had a second chance or if he ever did trust in Jesus, but if that's where it ended, then we do know based on the word of God where he is today. Almost thou persuadest me is not enough. You know, many people will come to the door of salvation, but they 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 fail to make that commitment, that, that next step. And we see that Naaman had his own ideas. We see the confusion here, not only the wrong price, he went to the wrong person, he went to the wrong place, but he had the wrong prescription. In verse number 10, the Bible says, And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Verse number eleven. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, "Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand, and call on the name of his Lord, the, of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper." You know, they, uh, what the, what the Bible's talking about here is Naaman kind of had his own kind of version of the way that he was going to be healed. He thought, well, surely it's going to be some big production. Elisha's going to come out and he's going to, you know, uh, call upon his God, kind of like Elijah did with the, the you know, the fire coming down. And uh, there's going to be some big production and some big emotion. And and um, he had his own way. Well, uh, you know, that's how That's how I'm going to be healed. You know, today, uh, people have kind of their own, in their mind, they've concocted their own way of how to get saved, how to get to heaven. Well, it, it has to be by good works, like it's by your good outweighing your bad. That's in their mind. It's no different than what Naaman thought about his healing. It's the wrong prescription. And notice... That that when he found Elisha, that, you know, Elisha told him, well, here's what God says you need to go do. And he got upset. And that's because the the last thing we see, his reaction to the gospel, his reaction to the truth of God's word by that, He exhibited the wrong passion. And we see in verse number 12 that when Naaman was told what he needed to do to be cleansed, to be healed from his awful disease, his reaction was that of rage. It made him upset. And I won't ask for a show of hands, but maybe... There are some of you today out there that when you first heard the gospel, and when maybe it was a preacher preaching saying, you're a sinner, and you knew that you were a sinner, and he said, you got to trust in Jesus through faith to save you. And you said, nope, that's not. I've been going to to church my whole life, or I need to do this. I had my own mind made up for how I would... um, earn my salvation and what was your reaction was it rage was it getting upset that you were wrong i think that's where naaman is here this morning he's upset wait a second hey you know who i am i'm a man of valor and you you know he was used to giving orders i'm sure and people listened to him And the Bible doesn't say it, but what do you bet? He told Elisha, (laughs) hey, no, 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 no. You come out, Elisha, and you, you know, uh, do this and do X, Y, Z and heal me. He probably told him what to do. A lot of people, when it comes to salvation, they have their own mind made up with how it works. And when they're told, well, you know, this is God's way, their reaction is no different than Naaman it's rage it's getting upset and you know the bible says in psalm 51 in verse 17 the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart O god wilt thou not despise you know when a person comes to the lord for salvation you can't come with rage you can't come with your own ideas no, it's a broken spirit. It's it's repentance, and that's not where Naaman is. But I want to also. We've looked at the condition of Naaman. One, he's uh, hopeless. He's got this terrible disease of leprosy. We see his confusion, but I want to point out the concerned. Because the Bible mentions two different individuals or groups of individuals. And the first is the little maid. Back in verse number 2, the Bible says the Syrians. So who was one of the uh, leaders uh, of the Syrian army? Naaman? Okay. The Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said unto her mistress, "Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is, uh, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. You see, Naaman was a dead man at this point. he was a dead man. he had contracted leprosy. there was no hope for Naaman except for these unnamed servants. And the first I just read about this little maid. You know, this little girl, this little maid, who was serving Naaman's wife, had every reason to be bitter. She had every reason to be resentful, don't you think? Because she was basically, during one of the the Syrian incursions, they had come down, they had taken her away from her family she was now no longer with her mom and dad or her brothers and sisters she now is a servant to the man likely responsible for that operation that took her away she had every reason to just keep her mouth shut right you know some people wouldn't blame her if she was a little gleeful that he got leprosy right finally got what he deserved he ripped my family apart he ruined my life but that's not what we see she spoke up and she said something to naaman's wife who said something to naaman and we get to where we read the whole story you know, a little bit later on. I'm kind of reminded of Esther. Remember the story of Esther? and We don't need to go there. But the Bible says this. If you know the story there in the book of Esther, God had a reason for her to be where she was at. The Bible says um, that in Esther 4, verse 14, that... I mean, she she similar situation she was in a place she didn't want to be, but see, God had a purpose for it, and she says, "Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? You know the story of Esther? You know what I'm talking about. She was there for that reason. This little maid was taken from her family, placed into the house of Naaman for this very reason. without her there. None of this would have happened. Do you see that? But also, we talked about how Naaman reacted to the message from Elisha when he was told, go to the river Jordan and dip seven times. It was that of rage. And the Bible says in verse, uh, look at now in verse number 13. Actually, back up to the very end of verse number 12 of 2 Kings chapter 5. The Bible says, so Naaman turned and went away in rage. Now, where was Naaman going? He's going back up to Syria. He's like, I am done with this. This was a waste of time. I'm just going to go back home. But look in verse 13. It says, and his servants came near. So the, the servants that were traveling with him, they came to him and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou have not done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, wash and be clean? You know, they're talking some sense into Naaman, right? He's like, you know, if if Elisha would have said, well, you need to go do this and this, and you need to give me, you know, uh, this much gold, this, you know, if, if he would have rattled off some big list, Naaman would have done it. But you see, the prophet of God said all you need to do is go to the river Jordan and dip seven times. It's pretty easy, right? They're talking some sense into him. But I also want to bring up that Naaman's servants here, they also spoke up in the face of rage. You know, their boss was upset. He was upset. Naaman was mad. And so I do want to point out the courage that it took for these servants to speak up. They were concerned enough to say something. The little maid was concerned enough to share the good news with someone. Now, she didn't even talk to Naaman. She spoke to Naaman's wife. She was concerned enough. I wonder, Christian, are we concerned? even the slightest for those that are in a sinful condition they have not had their sins cleansed there's they need to be washed in the blood of jesus do we have even a smidgen of the same concern that the maid or the servant had you know it may require speaking up in the face of of rage but we can see the concern now moving on number four Number four, we get to the cleansing here. So we've looked at the condition of Naaman. We've looked at his confusion, how he reacted to the gospel. We see the concern from from the servants, but also the little maid. And now we get to God's way of cleansing. In verse number 10, and we've already read this, it's Elisha. The messenger of God that says, and you know, God's messenger really, you know, today, I mean, that's just, Elisha was a preacher. The preacher said to Naaman, be washed and be cleaned. You need to be washed and you'll be cleaned. And so the first thing we see is God's way. And God's way, how do we receive cleansing? Well, we have to receive cleansing, God's way. And God's way is spelled out here in 1 John chapter 1, and verse number 7. That the Bible says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. Revelation 1, verse number 5. It says, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us in his own blood. And so we see God's way that he cleanses you and I from this awful disease of sin. It's only by one way, by having our sins washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see the preacher telling Naaman, this is the way to be cleansed. You want to have your leprosy healed? You need to be washed, in in his case, the River Jordan, seven times. But then we see not only God's way proclaimed, but in verse number 12, we already talked about this, we see his reaction. You know, so often... When the gospel is shared and um, people's sins are pointed out, and they realize, you know what, I am a sinner. But uh, man's reaction is much like Naaman's; they abhor it. They say, "I, you know, there's, there's got to be a different way. That doesn't make sense. That's too easy. You just have to trust in Jesus Christ and not trust in these other things. They want to add to the gospel." They want to add maybe their baptism to their salvation. You can't do that, folks. And so we see Naaman's uh, or the abhorrence there. And you know, to the world, the gospel message is 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 pretty ridiculous. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18, Paul says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish or those that are lost it's foolishness but you know to us which believe it's it's that are saved it's the power of god you know it um people today they want a nice respectable river of ceremonies and that's what naaman wanted he said are not and he mentions two rivers that were up in damascus uh, up in syria or they're rivers that flow flew into Damascus. You know Damascus is one of the oldest capital cities even today that I think it might be, and don't quote me on this, I didn't look this up, but I believe it is one of the oldest capital cities that are still in existence today. They're in Syria. And they have two rivers that flow through that really cause the city to prosper. And that's what... Naaman is is talking about he says okay the dirty muddy river Jordan versus these two gloriously probably clear blue rivers that you know these these rivers up in Dela- uh up the rivers of Damascus he says in verse number 12 you're telling me the river Jordan is better than these two? Oh, I I beg to differ and people today react the same way they say, uh, you're telling me that, you're telling me what the Bible says. And you're saying, it's not in a priest, or I don't have to do these sacraments, or I don't have to uh, do this charity work, or I don't, it's not in a church, or I went through confirmation when I was younger. You're telling me that my, my family, my grandpa and grandma who died Catholics, you're telling me that they're in hell? I can't accept that. They abhor the gospel. Much like we see Naaman's reaction here. People today want a nice and respectable religion, do they not? But we see, lastly, Naaman's faith here. In the cleansing, we see God's way proclaimed. We see his reaction. But you know what? Naaman did exercise faith because the Bible says in verse number 14, after his servants really spoke up in in the middle of his rage, the Bible says that Naaman went down and he dipped himself seven times in Jordan. He wouldn't have done this if he didn't have faith that what the prophet Elisha had told him to do was true. He wouldn't have done it. He would have gone back to Syria and died as a leper. But the Bible says that he did exercise faith, and he did according to the saying of the man of God. And that's what salvation is. is It's doing according to the word of God. And the Bible then goes on and says, And his flesh became again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean." He was clean. Naaman's faith. You know, Naaman didn't go in and dip six times. He did it seven times. And, you know, there are things about the word of God. I, I'll give it to you. They don't always make sense to us. But, you know, the Bible says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are his ways our ways. Who are we to tell God uh, what we you know what is and what isn't he's God the Bible says that God gives more grace giveth more grace Uh, God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble you see Naaman finally humbled himself here he humbled himself and did what Elisha had told him from the word of God Mark chapter 10 and verse 15 this is jesus who said verily ver- verily i say unto you whosoever shall not receive whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of god as a little child he shall not enter therein and so lastly we see the cleansing here but we see the the conversion that took place the conversion naaman was a changed man the bible says that At that time, when he came up out of the water from that seventh dip, his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child. And, you know, I just read that verse that you have to, uh, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. You know, we talk about childlike faith. You know, that's why it's sometimes easier for children to accept Jesus as their Savior over us old, stubborn men. You know, it's because children, are they, they, uh, they exercise faith much easier. And Naaman here became as a little child, spiritually speaking. He said, you know what? Elisha said this, I'm going to believe it. And that's what it takes. It's taking God at his word. And you see immediately the conversion. Naaman was changed immediately. His flesh became that of a little child. this This is not simply restoring to what it used to be. You see, uh, Naaman didn't his it, it, it was it was all new. The, that's what the Bible talks about. When a person gets saved, it is a conversion that is a instantaneous change salvation is not about restoration it's not a, it is a, it's about a complete change that's why the bible calls it a new birth the bible says in second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creature old things are passed away all things become new not only was Naaman changed but the Bible says he was cleansed his dreadful disease was completely cured notice he wasn't just it's not like his leprosy became more manageable no it was gone completely gone it it wasn't covered up it's not like he came up out of the water and they're like man Naaman you you look different I don't notice all the the blemishes On your, oh, oh, Naaman's like, no, no, they're still there. You can, you know, if I lift up my arm in my armpit, you can see it, right? Nothing like that. He was completely cleansed. And when a person gets saved, they are a new creature. They're changed. And you know what? The sins that they had, that disease, their sins are gone. They're gone. They're completely cleansed. In the eyes of God, he does not see your sin or he doesn't see my sin he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west no more they're not covered up oh they're covered but they're covered by the blood of Jesus and they're forgotten God remembers them no more isn't that wonderful and we see the conversion taking place here it's instantaneous his dreadful disease was completely cured no need for a follow up no point no follow up appointment but then and we see that he was converted in verse 15 and you can see the change that takes place in the life of Naaman there is a change that ought to take place in the life in the new life of a believer in verse number 5 or 15 excuse me look at what it says It says, And he returned, Naaman returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and they came and stood before him. Okay? You see the change here? Naaman didn't just continue going back home to Syria, back to his old life. What did he do? He went back to the man of God. He sought out the company of God's man. This is a normal behavior for a new Christian to have. You know, new babies in Christ, they ought to have a thirst and hunger for the Word of God. They ought to want to be around God's people. And that's what we see with Naaman. Scott talked about this in the lesson this morning. The importance of church physically assembling with other believers the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, and they continued, this is after the day of Pentecost, where people got saved. Then after they were saved, they got baptized and to be added to the church. And it says they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They stuck together. We see that Naaman was a changed man. He went back to the man of god and that's so that's so needed for the for the for the young christian but it's needed for all believers and we we won't um you can see later on he was um uh confessing uh publicly his testimony he was worshiping the lord he said i don't want to worship to these false gods any any other gods i only want to worship and bring sacrifice to the Lord Jehovah in verse 17 we see he became all of a sudden very charitable charitable he wanted to give the man of God physical things uh, to help with his work Christians ought to be giving they ought to be tithing they ought to be um, giving uh, to the work of God and we see that change happening in Naaman's life he was also very concerned if um, uh, if you look at verse number 18 he was concerned that as part of his duties to the king of Syria that he would have to accompany the king of Syria into the place of idolatry and he didn't want to do that he was asking for Elisha's help there his testimony before others was important because why Naaman was a new creature and If you have been saved, then you are also a new creature. Your life ought to be changed. It ought not to be going back to the old way. And so I ask you this morning, as we consider this miracle of the healing of Naaman, what about you? What about you? What about your condition, your spiritual condition? Do you see your sickness of sin. Bible says we all have it. We are all plagued with this sin. We were born that way. And the Bible says that our sin carries a death sentence. Do you see your condition this morning? Perhaps you're confused, much like Naaman was. Perhaps you think, well, you know what? I'm a pretty good person, especially when I stack my my life up with you know my friends uh, you know i i go to church i i do good things i obey my parents whatever you know i i have religion you understand religion won't save you you know that's that's a, a lie of of satan it's confusion do you see your condition do you have confusion this morning do you need to be cleansed the only way to have your sins forgiven is God's way to be washed and clean. God says you need to have your sins washed in order to be cleansed. That's through faith in Christ Jesus. And if so, God will change you and cleanse you from your sins. You will be a new creature. But also, Christian, what about you this morning? We talked about we talked about the little maid and the servants. Do you share the news of what God can do with others? We have this uh we have this wonderful news. This wonderful news about a cure. Do you share it? Mention it just in conversation. You see the servants of Naaman had to speak up and really convince him. Like you need to go, you need to just do what God says. Sometimes it requires that. Do you have concern for those with a literal death sentence hanging over their head. I pray you do. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for the truth of God's word, and we're thankful for your salvation, your wonderful salvation. I pray that if there is anyone here today that is unsure, and perhaps they're confused about their state spiritually, Pray that they would be concerned enough to at least ask what salvation entails, how to be saved, how they can know for sure that they are on their way.